The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. And now through the end of December, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com, valid through 12-31-2022. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. It is week 15. The final quarter of the season is here, and our Detroit Lions are in the hunt or whatever ESPN had another word for it this week. I don't, I don't know what it is. They're, they're playing around with it in their Monday night football thing. Uh, <laughs> loitering. I think it was They're They're oh loitering. Mm. Very sad. I, I like in the hunt a lot better. Yes. Uh, anyways, uh, this is a midweek mailbag where myself, Jeremy Reisman and Eric Schlitt answer your questions. Uh, you can find me at Detroit online. You can find Eric Schlitt, our managing editor at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric, how are we feeling, man? Uh, Rare, rare territory here for, for Lions fans. Yeah, it's, I mean, here's the thing. I went into that game last week, like absolutely thinking that they were going to beat the, the 10 and two Vikings. Like yeah. I, I thought they matched up well. I thought they were the, they, the way that they'd been winning, they were going to win. And um, I, it's, it's hard for me to to not think that they're going to continue to roll. And uh, I know the Jets are going to be an interesting matchup and they have a much better defense. They also have injuries, including at their quarterback. And, uh, you know, a quarterback that they is essentially was a backup that's not playing well for them. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of lot of positivity. Yeah. And I don't think I've been this confident in a team I mean, I think I think I might I might be more confident than I was in 2014. 2016. To be honest, 
No, 2014. 2014 was was the real team. 2014 was their yeah, yeah, the the big the big hitters. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, I was just gonna say that that while. I don't. I'm. I was with you on, on against Minnesota. You know, I picked them to win. I thought they were the better team, and they proved that. I think they were the better team. It's just not often that this team meets such high expectations that we have. Right? That that, mm-hmm. that just doesn't happen. When whenever we have raised expectations for this team, we're usually met with disappointment. And uh, over the past month and a half, haven't gotten there yet, which is uh, pretty exciting in and of itself. Yeah, it's uh, it it, it it's. If, if you're in the mindset of looking for a signal that this team has potentially turned a corner, it would be that, right? Yeah. It would be that you, there have been multiple opportunities for letdowns and there just hasn't been. Yeah. Well, uh, if this is your first time listening to us, either live or on our podcast feed, um, every Tuesday afternoon, Eric and I answer your questions live here on our Twitch channel and then obviously upload it to our uh, podcast feed. So let's kick things off uh, with our friend Detroit in Toll. Uh, I think that's Toledo. Uh, asked, Sunday is the Lions' offense only real test since Buffalo, and honestly, even a harder one in my humble opinion. Why should I feel confident that they can overcome or the Lions D do enough to make it not matter? Well, I mean, they put up 25 against Buffalo. And uh, so, I mean, putting up 25 points is a pretty, pretty good standard. They've done that five games in a row. Sure. I think 25 is, is that mark that you want to hit if you're going to win the game. So um, they've, they've been, they've done that five, five times in a row, including against Buffalo. And so, that should be encouraging for the offense. And the offense is actually healthier than it was against that Buffalo team as well. Right. So you've got a better run game. You've got a better passing game. You have more options. And, uh, you know, it's it's from an offensive standpoint, you should feel pretty confident that they can hit that mark. And then from on the other side of the ball, the defense has been playing well. Um, and the Jets have – numbers right like they have have good young players but like i don't know i got to dig into them a little bit more to like see exactly how the whole matchups work but the defense has been playing at at a higher level than you would expect and so i think uh the opportunity is there to just you know outgun them again and i that's something that they've been doing right so yeah this matchup is interesting because i actually I might have a little bit more confidence in the Lions defense than I do the offense this week, just in terms of matchups, because yeah, that is a really good Jets defense. They, they're good on both mm-hmm. sides. They, they can, they can stop the run. They can, they can stop the pass. Obviously sauce Gardner is kind of their, their key star there in the, in pass defense. And, and the, and, you know, I think there, there's been a little bit of a narrative out of Allen park this week, um, courtesy of, of Dan Campbell, but one that I've kind of been screaming for, for the past, I don't know, month and a half is Lions running game. Isn't very good right now. It just isn't. Mm. Um, and and I don't know. I don't see them rebounding necessarily against the Jets. And with this being an outdoor game, with maybe wind and, and weather being in the elements, it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be a really tough. It, this, this I think, is maybe the truest test really since Dallas, I would say. And Dallas didn't go particularly well. But they're they're a much different offense since then. Like you said, they're much healthier. I think maybe you could have been Brown back this week. So maybe that offensive line is also the best it's been in quite some time. And then. Yeah. Who knows what GMO's role is going to be next week. On the defensive side of the ball, the Lions defense, I think this is the kind of team that they can really shut down. Like I compare them to almost like a Giants type of team where they can run the ball pretty well. 
can't pass the ball all that well. And that fits right. Like if that fits right into the Lions' strengths, in my opinion, the pass defense has improved over the season, but those like real heavy passing teams, Minnesota, Buffalo, Dolphins had a lot of success against this defense. If this is just a standard kind of running type of an offense, they can shut them down. They can shut them down like they shut down Saquon Barkley, like they shut down um, last week, right? Like Delvin Cook, twenty three yards for Delvin Cook, exactly. Cool. Yeah. And and if you're if if this rushing attack is not predicated on a mobile quarterback, which it isn't, I think the Lions can have a really solid defensive performance, especially against the ground. And that's going to force Mike White or or whoever you know Joe Flacco, who, whoever's going to be. <laughs> here's the thing: like I'm not that caught up in, in who's going to quarterback for them. Cause that's not how they win football games. It, it, okay. Mike, Mike White has played better certainly than, than some of the other quarterbacks on that team. But either way, I think, I think that's a really good matchup for Detroit. And so I think, I think we could be in for maybe a lower scoring game than, than we're accustomed to. And when it comes down to it, if, if it's, it's a situation where who needs to score last, I probably think, the Lions have a better matchup offensively than than the Jets do offensively, um, but I, th- I think that the Lions' defense is going to keep this keep them in the game no matter what happens offensively. DBO rankings are pretty close, right? You've yeah. got six for their defense versus uh, seven for the Lions' offense. Uh, their offense is middle of the road um, versus Lions, which I think is a little bit under overall, right? Um, but as we've been talking about, those are, you know, as we've been talking about like online, yeah. um, those are overall season long statistics. And so when you start weighting it towards the more aggressive, the, or the more recent games, things do pivot in the lion's favor, uh, even more. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I don't think you can sleep on, on the jets no, not at, at all. all. Right. Right. Um, and I, I, I I got to study him a little bit more before I can start making any big proclamations. All right. So Eric's predicting a blowout, uh, but let's, let's, let's <laughs> rewind the clock to, uh, to Sunday. Um, Dan Pask, our good friend asked, um, how did Logan Stenberg do for you guys? And did we miss Will Harris? I thought we, I thought Will Harris's absence is a bigger deal than, um, than what people like want to admit. Right. Because he's got that stigma that, you know, he's, you know, you've seen so many bad plays from him over the Patricia years that, you know, he's, there's a lot of people that just don't have, don't believe he can be successful. Even though I think this coaching staff has found a really nice role for him. uh, And I think he's finding more success. I I do think missing Will Harris, uh, missing Jeff Akuda for a half, those, you know, those were big, uh, potential problems in the secondary. I mean, they give up a lot of, a lot of yards in the air, but, at the same time, that was the only way the Vikings could move the ball, right? So, um, so yeah. So from a, from a, I think you missed Will more than you maybe missed Evan Brown. Let me put it that way, right? Stenberg, um, I don't know. None of these right guards have been really great, right? Yeah. Uh, Stenberg didn't get a zero in pass blocking, so that's that's good. Improve. Right? I think he actually got like six improvement. <laughs> I think he got like a 65 or something, which is actually about slightly above average. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, they certainly need Evan Brown. I thought Mike Hughes played well in place of Will Harris, but at the same time, I, I think Will Harris is just 
he's bigger, he's more physical, he's he's faster. Like there's a lot of things that that they that they want like to utilize. A lot of things that they like that he does that they like to utilize in their slot role. And so um, Hughes comes up a little bit short of that. And I think um, returning Harris would, would be a big help. Yeah. I, I kind of liked how Mike Hughes played though. I know sure. if you look at some of, I mean, he was great in run defense. I think he had two tackles for loss in that game. He was victimized on, on I think it was the fourth and two touchdown to, to Thielen. That was him. I think. Yep. He was underneath it. Missed yeah. it. Um, but he was there. I, I think if you look at his, you know, PFF stats, I think he literally did not force a single incompletion when targeted. But there was, I mean, Kirk Cousins was dealing in that game. I, I like sure. sometimes you have to just give credit to to Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. Um, that's a really good duo right there, and they were balling. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I didn't miss Will Harris a little bit, but I also think that the Lions don't need to rush him back. I don't think the Lions fans need to panic if if. Will Harris is, no. is not in the lineup again this week because, I mean, he didn't practice at all last week. So I think there's a good chance he misses maybe this week again. Again, it's early. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But I just I, – I miss a cohesive offensive line. And obviously with a rotating cast of characters, it's – you know, you're not just going to slip um, Evan Brown in there and everything's going to be okay. Like there needs to be some more chemistry worked that way. But he practiced last week a little bit. He's going to practice, I imagine, this week. So to me, I'm, I'm actually more eager to get – um Evan Brown back in this week, just because no one else is yeah. cutting it. No one else is cutting it. I, I definitely think this week Evan Brown is going to be more important yeah. than yeah. than Will Harris. Yep. Right. But I think last week it was kind of flipped for me. I agree. Um, all right. Next question. Uh, this is an interesting one. Kristen asks, uh, "How would you rank Sunday's game on the list of most energetic games at Ford Field that you've been to?" That's a good one. Um, I didn't go to the Bears Monday night game, which was the the pinnacle, right? right? The gold um, standard. I mean, everyone talks about that one as being like that. That was yeah, the top of the top of the mountain. Um, so it's it's tough for me to compare it to that. Uh, at the same time. I feel like we, it was super loud, don't get me wrong, but I feel like we might have heard it louder a couple other times in the past. Um, I don't know if you recall, there there was one game where I forget, I'm even forgetting who they were playing, but the, the crowd was caused like five or six like false starts. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was like during that, it was during the Patricia era, but the crowd was just pumped, right? Yeah. Um, and I do think the energy level is there and the crowd is getting they're being a lot more deliberate than they were at the beginning of the season um they're very quiet when the offense is on the field they're getting loud at, at certain at the right times and um the tough part about last game was i i felt like it was just choppy you know what i mean like i didn't mm-hmm. feel like there was that constant uproar uh the play was a little bit choppy uh they'd get a big they'd hit a big play and that would slow everything down yeah. injury at the wrong time it was just there were just was the flow of the game i don't think was very conducive um now as far as like how important of a win was that it was one of their most important i think of all the time that we've been covering this team right in the last five years or six or whatever it says i forget um in the five years that we've had these you know credentials like i think this is this might have been their i don't want to speak out of turn but it, it's would be one of their top wins for sure 
I I'm not sure there's a question. Honestly, you don't think so? No, I mean, in ter- in terms of, and there there hasn't been a game that we've covered that's been more meaningful because we we both joined in in the Patricia era. Um, yep. There there hasn't been a more, like they haven't beaten someone that with that impressive of a record since we took over the beat. The only thing I can think is during the Patricia era, there was the the New England game mm-hmm. and the KC game. Those, well, they, those didn't win, games, they didn't win the KC. They game. didn't win that game. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but I'm thinking. But yeah. I'm, I'm in my head. I'm K- thinking like, where? When was the crowd nuts? Yeah, you know that I mean? KC game was definitely super loud. I would even argue that the Jets game that opened the Patricia era was extremely. Yeah, loud. well, they opened it with a pick six, and, and, it's, that and got, it's a Monday night. Like, there is a different mm-hmm. feeling to primetime games. There just sure. is, and I don't. Yeah. So I, I think there was a level that that Sunday didn't quite hit that we know Ford mm-hmm. Field is capable of. But I think yeah. you bring up a really good point that the Lions just kept giving up big play after big play. And so, like, people are getting super loud for that fourth and two I just referenced, but then they mm-hmm. give up a 23-yard touchdown, and it's like, okay, well, there there sucks the energy out of it a little bit. But um, but it's it's close, man. And if they win the next two and you come home against the Bears, a whatever this team would be at that point, an 8-7 and seven team or whatever it is, yeah. That that game's gonna get rowdy, and and they're probably not a lot of Bears fans looking to make the trip this this year round. So that that one I have no. circled on my radar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I do think that um, there was more. It was it was more predominantly Lions fans as opposed to like earlier in the season. Earlier sure. in the season, you saw a larger contingent of, of away fans. Sure. Yeah, like there was, it was like 20, 30%, right? Yeah. And this one, it you could bear, you couldn't hear them. Yeah. Like that's, that's how few of them there were. Now they were scattered around and stuff because you see them, they come into Ford Field before the, the Lions crowd does as they're tailgating and getting uh, all lubed up real fast. And, uh, but it was definitely a, a very heavily uh, noise generated towards in the Lions' favor. Uh, one more question before we had to break here. Um, how good do you think the defense would be right now if Tracy Walker hadn't gotten hurt? Well, it's tough, right? Because if he doesn't get hurt, you probably don't see Kirby as much. And Kirby has been a really big catalyst yep. for um, for what they've done. At the same time, if you recall, they benched Deshaun Elliott uh, for one game. And so it's possible he would have jumped in then too, right? So it's, it's, it's really hard to say exactly how the defense would be different. Now, if you say, what if you take a healthy Tracy and put him on the team right now with the way that the Elliott and, and, and Kirby have developed – well, I mean, you, the secondary, you're going to run a lot more three safety sets. You're going to, you're going to be a lot more physical uh, in the, in the box. You're, and so there's a lot of different things that you're going to be able to do. Um, but I do think, I don't know if Kirby gets to the point that he's at now, if he doesn't get on the field. So right. it, yeah, it's hard to say, because Kirby has been so like his nose for the ball six, he's been part of six turnovers. And that's massive, massive. That's huge for, so, for a rookie, for yeah. any defender. Yeah. It, this is an interesting question to me because I, while, while I think you're definitely right that if they had Tracy in the mix right now, they'd be able to do more things. I don't know if he elevates the defense all that much from where they are now because of all the things you just said, because they allowed Kirby Joseph to, to develop, because I think Deshaun Elliott has kind of forged a role. I think he's playing pretty dar- darn well himself, and he's he's almost become kind of a, a leader type in yeah, that second. None of that sort of stuff necessarily happens if... if um if, if uh, Tracy isn't here. And so just kind of throwing him on the team now, it's like, okay, well, they're actually playing kind of well right now. That mm-hmm. said, 
they're probably playing defense a lot better earlier in the season. And that like that would have been key, right? Is is it yeah, we didn't have to wait till week 10, week 11, week 12 for this defense to to wake up. And then maybe you're tailing a couple more wins earlier in the season. Maybe you're not in a one and six hole, and maybe you are in a playoff spot right now. And like I'm not sure Tracy Walker makes that huge of a difference, but that secondary was flailing for a very long time. And they mm-hmm. they certainly miss Tracy Walker's leadership, his, his that's ability to communicate. Um, that's the stuff that really it took a while to develop in the secondary. I think it's where it needs to be now, but there yeah. was there was a two-month span where it wasn't there, and Tracy Walker would have been a huge help. Yeah, I think that leadership piece is the is the biggest area where he's missing right now. Um, you know, you've had players step up, Anzalone, um, Bugs. And Elliot have really been the three guys that yeah. have have I think stepped to the forefront here, um, and, and they've had to do that because Tracy's not around. Yeah. And if Tracy is around, I think you're. I agree with you. I, I that that middle of the season lull that they went through is probably not as not as deep of a hole that they were in. All right, we'll take a break there when we come back answering more of your Lions questions as we head towards Lions Jets, the biggest game of the season, because it's the next game of the season. We'll be right back. Threats to our nation waiting around every corner. Adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on the midweek mailbag preparing for Jets week as the Lions are in the midst of a five and one stretch. Let's flash forward a little bit, even though we're all excited about the the potential of playoffs. Our our next question comes from our live Twitch audience. NKR asks, which pending free agents on this team are top priority next offseason? So they've got, what, about 15 Something like that, a little maybe a little bit more. Sure. Just off the top of my head, 16, 17, something like that. Um, and I think if we're prioritizing them, I'll give you my top three. Okay. Jamal Williams. Yep. John Kaminsky. Okay. Isaiah Bugs. Mm-hmm. And then I think my close second behind and, and then behind them in my like kind of next second tier, tier. Yeah. Yeah. Are Will Harris, 
Desha- Deshaun Elliott, Anzalone. That's kind of where I'm at. Eh, yeah. Maybe Chark. Put Chark in there too. In the second tier. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That. That. Uh, yeah. I think. I think those top three that you mentioned: Jamal, uh, Bugs, and uh, Kaminsky. Kaminsky. Yeah, I might. I might. Sl- I might switch Elliott and Kaminsky. I, yeah, I think- because I look. I mean, Bugs, Kaminsky. Um, I mean, those guys are uh, Bugs and like Elliot. Those are m- massive leadership. People, right. Right. Yep. Jamal, massive leadership piece. Yep. And so, I, I mean, yeah, if you want to bump Elliot into and make it a force, yeah, I, I, I get that too. Like, because the, those leadership pieces are huge. They're huge. And the lines don't have a lot of depth at those positions either. Even, even if Deshaun Elliott is not necessarily lined up for a starting role next year, obviously with Tracy Walker expected back and, and the rise of Kirby Joseph, I think he's an important piece. And like you said, if all those three are ever healthy and playing at a good level, it, it opens up some more things that they can do. Um, Kaminsky is an interesting one for me. Because yeah. I do think he's a good player that they really like, and he's, he's been hampered with his you know huge club hand right now. Um, but he's still he's making a lot of plays, and and people. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like every week we say like this guy's underappreciated, this guy's underappreciated. Well, if we're saying that every week, maybe he's not underappreciated. But <laughs> um, at the same time, like there are younger options on the team that they're hoping develop into that role. They're not they're not exactly thin at edge right now, especially with everyone healthy finally. And so I don't I don't know if I'd put in the top tier, but he's certainly not beyond the second tier of, of important guys that they need to resign. I, I look for me, you're you're gonna lose Austin Bryant, um, yeah. almost assuredly. Yeah. Uh James Houston, Julian Aquara are specialists, right? They're they're pass rushing linebackers. Sure. And so you're gonna have Aiden on one side, you're gonna probably have Romeo and as his rotational partner, you have yeah. Charles Harris, but I don't know if Romeo or Charles Harris can dance with Pascal on the close end spot. And I think that's, that's why I actually could see them prioritize. And this is so weird to say, I could see them prioritizing Kaminsky over, over Charles Harris, which is like kind of crazy to me, especially thinking back to like training camp. Right. But like Kaminsky has, there's a, there's a definite need. Now, could they draft a guy into that role and have like a, a Pascal rookie type of combo? Yeah. I mean, that, that'd be attractive, but I, I do think pass rush is such a priority. If you're going off of leadership, that defensive line is, is really where I want to be keeping or adding talent. Here, this is interesting because I'm looking more at this list, and I'm th- the more I look at it, the more I think we might be in for a very similar offseason to the to where we were last year, which is re-signing a lot of these guys. Because guys that we didn't mention, special teams captain Josh Woods, a guy that another huge culture fit, an important guy that they like a lot, and a good special teamer, Evan uh, Brown. Evan Brown, a guy that they could certainly use and might, I mean, he, yeah. he might be the starting right guard next year with the way things are, are lining <laughs> yeah. up. Right. Um, yeah. Justin Jackson is a guy who's playing pretty darn well and has worked his way into a comfortable RB three conversation. Hell, he was the best running back on the field last week. Yeah. And in, in, my, in my mind, you CJ might be Moore. CJ Moore. They love CJ Moore. How could you not love CJ Moore? He loves it here. In my mind, you might be better tasked looking at which of the UDFAs won't come back because there might only be like three, you know what I mean? Like two or three, like, and they might, they might bring the other guys back and let them compete. Now 
a similar approach to the offseason doesn't mean you're content with this team because you're still going to add talent and make the players earn their spots. Right. Um, but they like a lot of the guys that they a lot of the free agents that they have coming up, they like and are in kind of bigger roles than I think what they were expected to be in. You know, I mean, look, Badgley's a free agent. They're going to bring him back too. I don't think he's necessarily as big of a priority, but he's going to be there, right? Like, let's be honest. Are they bringing back Amani? I can't see it. No. Are, um, Will, I think, is they like Will, but I don't know how much they'll prioritize him. Um, Skip. Mike Hughes? I don't know. Um, Skip's an RR. He's restricted. Believe it or not, he he's at age like he's like he's like 42, yet he's still <laughs> like a restricted free agent, right? Um yeah, the, the Woods is a captain. You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, like they're gonna bring him back. They're gonna offer him they offered him 1.5 million to come back this year. Like that it was a huge indicator that we all should have been like you know, had the lights flashing. Um, you some were people, very some much people predicted that. Well, I, let me let me compliment you without having to take it yourself. Um, uh, you were very much on the Josh Woods train. I said I, they can't keep Woods because I think they're going to keep Pittman. And look at that, we're both right. So, <laughs> um, but like. I don't think they're going to bring Austin Bryant back. He's been a healthy scratch. Like if you're a healthy scratch on uh, now, you're not going to be a guy that they're going to prioritize. Right. I mean, what's Sudfeld done? Only two snaps this whole season from Sudfeld. So I don't know about him. Neck for negative two um, yards too. Just <laughs> negative play after negative play. And that's like it. That's like everybody. That's everybody that we listed. And now there's a ton of like, there's like, Matt Nelson is an ERFA. Scott Daly's an ERFA. Benito Jones, Brock Wright, Pittman. Um, I know it's not. It's a. How do we pronounce the guard's name now that we figured out how to pronounce it properly? Coyote Aushika, I think. Aushika. Um, Kennedy's an ERFA. Zilstra's an ERFA. All these guys, all these ERFA guys, they're automatic. You automatically bring them back, right? right? Because they don't cost anything, right? And you let him battle in the camp. And the only RFA guy is is Dan Skipper. And so you probably don't even RFA Dan because it would be more to RFA him than to just resign him. So, look, I, I don't know. They're bringing the same I, team I, back. We're running it back I, I, next year for the third straight honestly, year, everybody. Get ready. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's – what 52 53 guys that's so you you even if you end up with 50 guys because you lose the three that you're not as concerned about and then you get all the all the other ir guys and stuff like that and you bring all those guys back too now you're up to like 63 you had your practice twice guy guys as future deals now you're up to like 75 or a little bit more you're getting closer to 80 like if they go into the off season with like 10 15 10 15 spots by the time free agency hits, that's where they want to be, yeah. honestly, because then you can use those spots to key in on a few guys. You use the spots on draft picks. You can lose, uh, you know, lower yes. level contracts if you upgrade guys. Like, yeah, it's like that's that is makes a hundred percent sense of of what they will probably do. So, all right, uh, again, against my better judgment, I'm going to move the conversation here to the draft. Thanks to Krolik, who says. 
if uh oh i lost it there we go if carter anderson and young uh obviously that's jalen carter will anderson and bryce young are gone who are you looking at oh man but that's hard right because like Line. So we, we can bring this into a, a recent conversation because Todd McShay's first draft mock draft dropped. And that was the exact situation. Mm-hmm. Lions picking fourth. Those three are off the board. He picks CJ Stroud, yeah. which I know mm-hmm. does not have you very happy and doesn't have a lot of Lions fans happy, but has certain Lions fans happy. So if not CJ Stroud, who? Look, here's the thing. I have been avoiding picking a side on this quarterback situation thing. And I, cause I, and I still think the door's open if they have a guy that they absolutely love. Yep. I just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very much bought into the fact that I think they're going to keep Jared Goff and they're just going to be fine with him. Um, I think they believe he's a bigger part of their future than he does. And I'm trying to stay neutral, right? But my gut for a, a few weeks now has been, yeah, Goff's probably here. I mean, that's that at least two more years. And do they, will they draft a guy? Maybe. Will they draft a guy at four? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they'll draft a quarterback, but in my mind, knowing the way Brad Holmes has attacked things in the past, I can't necessarily see him take a quarterback at four if his golf is, or his plan is for golf to play out his contract and just sit on the bench for two years. Like, I, I don't, see that in Brad Holmes's nature, especially if you're on the precipice of a playoff spot, or even if you make it, or if you're just right there and you have the potential to add a missing piece on defense and you have an offense that you're basically going to be bringing back. And it's a, it's a broke, don't fix it type of thing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why not add a massive defensive talent at that top there and try and get the defense leveled up? Because what's been the catalyst in their turnaround? Better play on defense. Why not load the defense up? Or give Goff another weapon and let him go even crazier with something. Now I don't not a tight end. Hold on, slow down. I still, but I do think they're going to I think they're going to add a running back on day two is not out of the question, especially knowing Brad Holmes' history. Look, I don't care. You can squint at me and be mad all you want. Um, that's I'm telling you, this is you have to prepare yourself no, for that. that. Um, but in my mind, to go back to the original question. I think their talent on defense is valuable at the top. Um, now, granted, it is December, not March, and so I don't have – I have a good grasp on the class, but not like – I'm not a detailed grasp on the class. We, we've got but, play, playoffs to worry about, all right? Right. But like <laughs> a guy like Miles Murphy from Clemson, the edge rusher, 6'5", 275, you can put him – uh, at that spot with with Pascal, and then now Pascal becomes a, a more flexible position, flexible guy. You've now got Murphy on the opposite side of Hutchinson, and now your 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 defensive line is upgraded. Like Murphy would be a very big choice. Uh, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech is probably not going to be in my top five, but he fits that same kind of role. Like he's a guy that you can add that can play that closed end that can, that can really upgrade things. And then there's going to be, um, Rise, the other Clemson guy, the, the defensive tackle, but the downside with him is that you're probably playing a lean more at the nose, but again, he's a good enough talent that, Adding him next to a lean, you can still play more three technique options. You you instead of doing you, you just have to shift to how you utilize them in, on the interior a little bit. So I still think that like 
and maybe maybe Ringo from the the the, the Georgia corner. But I don't know. I don't think they're going to go corner in the top five again. No, don't get me wrong. But first time this this staff would do it. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I do think that defensive line talent is going to be very flush at the top. And that is an area that they really need to get better at. So that's where I'm, that's where I'm leaning. It's interesting you say that. Cause I feel like some fans will hear that and say they need more talent on the defensive line. They drafted Aiden Hutchinson. They drafted Aline McNeil. They drafted, you know, Levi, they, they, they drafted James Houston. They drafted James Pascal. Like how yeah. many more do you need? And in, in some cases I kind of agree with them. Like if Isaiah Bugs is going to play at the level he's been playing at, and Aleem is there, like you're pretty, you're not loaded, but you're you're in a good position. Um, I still do think they need a a a three down elite pass rusher, and, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Aiden, but like someone who's who's James Houston, but also can play the run. And I know that like you're asking for a unicorn there, but I I, I want to go back to the earlier. Well, part. you're asking for you're asking for Will Anderson. Yeah, is what yeah, you're right, asking right, for. Right. Right. Um, a unicorn. Um, right. But to go back to the earlier conversation about quarterback, because I yeah. think I'm, I think I'm going to have a little bit of disagreement with you there, because I, I do. The thing you have to always remember, though, with the draft is that you're not really drafting for this year. You're sure. drafting down the road. And and sure, yeah. if, if you're taking a guy in number three and number four, can they make an immediate impact? Of course they can. Absolutely. But if you're picking at four and you're the Detroit Lions who have won five out of the last six games, probably not going to be picking in the top 10 anytime soon unless disaster strikes. Sure. And so you have to be thinking down the road. You have to be thinking, yeah, I think Jared Goff can be the team that lead the, the guy that leads this team for the next two years. But beyond that, I'm not sure. Well, if that's the case, quarterback needs to be on the table. Absolutely on the table. Because if he has to sit behind Goff for two years, so be it. Mm-hmm. it the temptation is always going to be there for, for them to make a change. Fans are probably going to get pushed them to change every time golf has a two turnover game, but you're setting up your franchise for success. Good franchises do that. Like I hate to be like, look at what green Bay does, but look at what green Bay does. It, it can get messy. It will get messy at some point, probably, but they're better for it. If they're thinking down the line with their quarterback. And so even if they believe in golf, even if they believe in golf for this year, even if they believe him for the next two years, quarterback, I think still needs to be on the table. I, I, and I'm not disagreeing. At the same time, I don't know if they're going to view this class as having. That's fair, right? And if, right. and so I, you said it on the SB Nation Mothership podcast that they're not going to force it, and 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 I am with you on that, a hundred percent, right? Like they're they're not going to force a quarterback just because people think. You know, golf is a bridge. He's playing it. We've seen his ceiling, right? Or what we think is his perceived ceiling. Sure. I would argue he's potentially starting to crack through that, which is not something that I expected to say. Cause I think at 26, 27, wherever age he is, like, you've seen him for six years. You don't usually see a maturation that far into your career you kind of are what you are and and if he's able to next level it that's it that's something that you know the lions can just sit back and and take advantage of all right for some reason again we have ended this podcast on quarterback talk 
But it's, I mean, to be honest, it's a conversation we're going to continue to have whether golf really succeeds down the line or not. It's when you have that much draft capital, you just have to be considering that sort of stuff down the line. But either way, uh, thank you all for the questions this week. We'll be back next week, hopefully talking about a 500 Detroit Lions team uh, heading down the stretch for a big playoff run. But until then, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Eric, for your time. Thank you to our live audience here on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. If you want to join us, one or what is what do we start? 12:30, 12:30 p.m. <laughs> Eastern on Tuesday afternoons if you want to join us next week. But until then, thank you all for listening. It's Chaos. Be kind.